Test, 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 test. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. Now, I know I said I wasn't going to do another episode. I am very busy. There's a lot going on. But uh, honestly, I miss doing this too much. So I'm back, baby. Back for a little bit at least. Just for a little bit. This one, we're going to make it quick. We're going to get in, we're going to get out. That's it. There was so much to talk about. Thank you, Martin. Good to be here. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and we can still get into it. Let's just go ahead and get into it today. Um, a lot going on. Like I said, got to be a nice and short episode today. Uh, despite everything that's going on, you see that work is work is motherfucker. You know, uh, you got to do it though. I don't want to, I want to be broke. I don't know what else to do. So, uh, for the time I'm caught in the system, uh, I'm sure everyone here can relate to that. Um, let's just jump into it. Let's start with Ukraine. Uh, earlier today, it was reported that two missiles, two Russian missiles, which were aimed at the an area in Ukraine that borders Poland, surprise, went to the wrong country, uh, did not land in the Ukraine, and ended up destroying a farm in Poland and killing two Polish people. Um, I'm assuming they were Polish. I guess we, I don't actually know if they were Polish, but they were in Poland. It hit Poland. Uh, why does this matter? Well, Poland is a NATO country, and there's something in the treaty for the NATO countries. Uh, and for those of you who, I don't know if you've been living under a rock or something, or maybe it's just your first time tuning in, who knows, or you don't pay attention to politics. NATO is basically is a 30-member country, 30 countries who all agree basically that they're one big posse. Uh, it's basically like a gang. If you're in NATO... And one of y'all gets shot, all of y'all go to war for that one person. And that comes from something called Article 5 in NATO. Um, so it's kind of the one for all, one uh, or all for one, one for all mentality. If you get attacked and if a NATO member gets attacked, then all the other NATO countries go to war on behalf of the NATO country that got attacked. Which would mean we are 30 seconds closer to midnight. Uh, now, is this a treaty we're actually going to follow? Very good question, Amanda. Uh, short answer is maybe I don't see it happening this time. I don't. Uh, it really depends on what happens with this investigation. So what we've been hearing now, it definitely does seem like just because I'm saying, no, I don't think they're going to follow article five here. I don't think they're going to go to war just because I think that's so crazy. I don't really have a reason other than that to think about, uh, to think, have that opinion. So maybe they do, maybe they do. And why they might, well, I I'll put it this way. What they've done 
since this uh, attack has happened indicates that they're taking it very seriously. Um, Biden's already been on the phone with uh, Duda, who is Poland's president. Uh, There's already been some movement among the G7 leaders who are arranging uh, an emergency summit meeting on Wednesday, so tomorrow, in response to the explosion in Poland. Uh, There's already talks of an investigation going on. And Biden, I believe, sent out a tweet already that said, uh, yeah, that's what it is. So this is a tweet from Biden showing that America is behind Poland in the investigation of the explosion. And the tweet reads, I spoke with President Andrzejud, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Polish people, I I don't know how to read that name, Andrzejud Duda of Poland, that's their president, to express my deep condolences for the loss of life in Eastern Poland and offer our full support for Poland's investigation of the explosion. We will remain in close touch to determine appropriate next steps as it proceeds. So why should this give us a little bit of pause? Besides the fact that it's an attack on a NATO country, um, you've seen sort of how some of these investigations have gone down in this war so far. You remember when the pipeline was blown up, uh, the delays in that investigation and some chatter or uh, the findings that the pipeline, this is the, um, is it the North Shore pipeline? I believe the North Shore pipeline, uh, which goes from Russia to Europe and provides a large amount of fuel, which again is what the Russians really, uh, what their economy is basically based off of as a petrol state, uh, provides a lot of fuel to parts of Europe, particularly Germany. Uh, And when that pipeline was blown up, there was an investigation that found that there was sabotage, but they couldn't pin it on any one country. They couldn't pin it on a particular party that sabotage. There was also the investigation into who blew up the the bridge from Crimea, the Crimean bridge, Uh, which again, there hasn't been any sort of conclusive findings from that investigation, but some were speculating that it was a move by uh, Ukraine-aligned parties or the Ukrainian government or whoever uh, to restrict, to try to destroy the bridge and restrict Russia's ability to move materials into Ukraine because that bridge was a major way that uh, Russians were moving their tanks and other equipment to Ukraine for this war. Uh, and it was only the the only side of the bridge that was attacked uh, in that what looked like a, a car bombing was the side from Russia going into uh, Crimea or from Crimea to Ukraine. I forget which, but it was a side that Russia would take to go move their shit in. Uh, so I'm nervous about another investigation when we have these two other investigations where it's possible that Ukrainian allied or Ukrainian allied parties, whether it's the U S whether it's the UK, whoever actually committed these acts of sabotage, but the investigation was kind of shut down before any conclusions could be made. So why would Russia be willing to, at this point, after seeing how those investigations went, why would they suddenly be willing to cooperate with an investigation into this? 
And you would say, well, maybe they're willing to cooperate because they don't want a nuclear war. No one wants to die in a nuclear war. But I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's tough to say that a lot of the moves that have been made with this war so far are sane moves. Are and and that goes all around. Honestly, that that goes all around. I think uh, the provocation of Russia from the expansion of NATO, from American foreign policy, uh, American hegemony, all of that plays a role in pushing Russia to a place to where they thought they had to invade. But Russia's move to invade Ukraine is equally fucking crazy, in my opinion. It's nuts. And their thought that this would just kind of go over and everyone, you know, go over really quickly and everyone would have a nice laugh and we'd be done with it is shows a, a severe lack of foresight. So when we're asking about, okay, so how are we going to resolve this? What's going to happen? I haven't seen very many people who are involved in this so far who are in these positions of power who really seem like they know what's going on or seem like they have the capability to actually address this. And I think that's what's, that's, what's crazy. Um, Amanda, stop trying to fuck me in the chat. Okay. <laughs> With the bedroom eyes, my God. Uh, it's a lot harder to read chat whenever I'm, I got the camera on, but it's, uh, it's very funny. Uh, but you can understand people's hesitation here, right? The, the, we're all looking for the adults in the room. And now that this war has dug in enough, now that there have been significant attacks, and now that there also is, there's already some speculative evidence that maybe certain parties who are aligned with Ukraine were trying to ramp things up for multiple reasons. Uh, to make sure the U.S. is stuck involved, to make sure Germany is stuck. You know, that was a that was the um, speculation with the, the North Shore pipeline was that uh, it eliminated any sort of uh, leverage. Well, there are two things. One, it eliminated the, the leverage that Russia could possibly have on some of the powers in Europe that it provided petrol to by basically uh, getting rid of the option that they could, like, use providing more oil or providing uh, the petrol through those pipelines as like a, a leverage point, right? Uh, they could say, well, they could use it in their negotiations. Well, you have something that you're going through an energy crisis, Germany. We have something you need. Maybe if you give us something in regards to these peace talks, then we can actually make a deal and you won't have to deal with uh, rising fuel prices at home. And we can alleviate that. It takes that off the table, right? That North Shore pipeline thing, without the pipeline, they, they can't get petrol there. So even if Germany wanted to do that, they can't. They're stuck. And they're stuck supporting who? Big bad daddy, United States, and Ukraine. So if Ukraine didn't want, you know, you could see why that could be an area of contention. If Ukraine did not want that kind of diplomacy with Russia, if they did not want that, then the blowing up of that pipeline is good for them. And you got to you got to remember there are war hawks and factions of war hawks within all of these countries, right? Ukraine has theirs. We've all, we all know about the Azov Battalion. We all know that they're a right wing, literal like Nazi ass group, a neo Nazi ass group that is doing some of this fighting in Ukraine. 
the number of Azov Battalion people, we don't really know how much of a percentage it is of their military. The, the estimations vary, but we know that's a, that's a wing, right? You got to understand that these countries are dynamic just like ours. Uh, they, their people have dynamic opinions. They're not a hegemony either. And there are going to be powers within those countries too who want to escalate shit. In the same way that we don't want to escalate shit, like me, I don't want to do that. A lot of you don't want to do that on this call. Um, there are a lot of people who, who do, who have fucked up ideas and want that to happen. So what's going to happen? Could it be World War III? Again, I, I just have a hard, I have a very difficult time thinking that even with as sleepy as Biden has been, that he would want to be the person who went down as initiating World War III or being involved in that. Again, it's, it's hard to say, and history does not like wait until someone really wants to do the thing. You know, it's not like history is like this waiting around like, well, you know, we got to get make sure that the war doesn't start until the right guy shows up. That's not how it fucking works. Right. You get who you have. Uh, but it's a possibility. The good thing is some of the people who wanted to punish Putin the most, some of these, you know, neoliberal pundits in the media. Some of them are now calling explicitly for diplomacy. What was the name of that guy? Joe something who was on, um, he was on Bad Faith with Brianna Joy Great. They had a whole fucking drama when he came out. He's like, don't go on her show because she asked me to answer questions. It, it was ridiculous. For those of you who don't know, there was a Joe something. It's not Scarborough. Maybe someone will put it in the chat, but the, Ciceroni or something like that. Joe Ciceroni. Hey, what's the Baba Ukraine? No. Um, whatever his name is. The guy was was like, uh, I saw him calling for diplomacy and peace talks. And this was someone who had just recently criticized uh, the squad for releasing that letter in the first place. The letter which called, which urged for the U.S. to pursue diplomacy. So that's a change, you know? You walk people up to the line and maybe they change, but who knows? Because sometimes when you get certain balls rolling, it's an avalanche. You can't stop it. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe sip a pony. Maybe that's it, July. Sip a pony. Ugh. Whoever he was, he was very, very poor judgment from that guy. And God, what an ego. What an ego to just like not be able to just admit when you're fucking wrong about something or when you don't have the answer. Who cares? Like, it's fine. None of us have the answer. Um, I'm sure all of you have the answer, everyone. Uh, okay, we'll keep going. All right, so that's that's issue number one. Um, topic number two. Uh, Trump is supposed to be announcing something. Big announcement. Huge, huge announcement today. It's probably just going to announce he's running for president again. Whoop did he fucking do. Uh, not, not a surprise to anyone. I think what is surprising is that some of the poll numbers for him now are kind of going down. He is not necessarily the number one sort of like uh, contender anymore for the Republican nomination. Uh, and that's going potentially to Ron 
DeSantis of Florida. Um, I really want to make like a Ron D's nuts ness. It doesn't work as much, but Ron D's nuts. I just he's whatever. He's he's you guys know who he is. He's been trying to do his best Trump impression forever. His only policy point seems to be like banning trans kids from existing and banning trans people from uh, I guess writing books and playing sports. He's he's pure culture war, all culture war all the time. He kind of just a huge piece of shit, honestly. He's a big fucking dick. He's just stupid. I mean, whatever. He's people in Florida apparently like him because he's the only one who won. This is my one wine of the day, too. Just so we're clear. I won. Drink every time I say Ron D's nuts. Um, but you can see that he's he's kind of started since the midterms. Uh, really, with Republicans, uh, uh, let's talk about the midterms a little bit, because these are Trump's sort of announcement today. He might be making it right now. I honestly don't know. Um, but his intention to run is he wants to basically galvanize the party behind him to give them no choice while he still has a high base. Um, meanwhile, his base may be dwindling because of these midterm elections. Now, I know that a lot of people here, myself included, are not friends of the Democrats or the Democratic Party in any way. Um, they are arguably, we've had conversations here that they're arguably worse than the Republican Party and the Republican establishment. Personally, I think they're really bad, but it's really about like, would you rather get stabbed in the back or in the front? Um, either way, they were expected, the Democrats were expected to lose big, big. I mean, I think sometime back when Obama was in office, the House, when it flipped on him during the midterm elections, he lost like 60 seats or something like that. 60, 60 seats lost that were held by Democrats became Republican seats, right? Uh, people thought Republicans were even going to take the Senate. You can hear all these, all these commentators out there saying the red wave, the red wave is coming. And honestly, you start to believe it. You start to think that you look at how little Democrats had actually done. You look at how meandering they are you can have a little bit of a little bit of student debt relief but not enough and we're gonna make sure it's real bad in the way that we implement it you look at that kind of shit and you think look if i can see through you if i can see the kind of bullshit you're doing what chance do you have of convincing voters that you're not just some backstabbing like conniving little fuck basically uh Turns out it was uh, pretty close. <laughs> it was actually not as much of a blowout as what we thought it was going to be. Now, let's be clear. Uh, it was still not a Democratic victory. The Democratic Party did not win. They still lost the House. It's been announced today that Republicans just got to 218 in the House. So they have the majority in the House, but they held on to the Senate. The Democrats held on to the Senate, and they actually might pick up a seat with Warnock, which is kind of nuts. It was not what many were expecting. Now, there's all kinds of reasons for 
Why did they win? There's been a lot of data that shows that young people actually came out to vote pretty hard. And by young people, I mean under 30. Between 18 and 30, they came out hard. Uh, turns out overturning Roe v. Wade, not a good idea, okay? People want to be out there, living their lives, getting their fuck on. Please do not interfere. Do not interfere. Let us do our thing. And that ended up being a driving force. Uh, there was also, um, I've seen some pretty good numbers from, I forget where, but that Democrats particularly outperformed in the industrial Midwest. So it's my town, baby. Hey, that's our area. I don't know why I'm celebrating. That's that's not worth celebrating. But uh, look, th there were some, there's some speculation from people that some of Biden's policies actually drove people out to vote, right? Uh, the CHIPS Act with bringing uh, silicon chip manufacturing back to the United States, the uh, student debt relief program, which is now on pause, lull. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And the there was some other thing that he had done that brought some manufacturing jobs back, like 250,000 manufacturing jobs back that had been offshored. So these are things that are, uh, I don't know. These are things that there's a case that you can make here that some of the policies that Democrats have actually put out as unsubstantial as they really are, as, as, as much as they are half measures, people see that and they're reacting to it. But either way, Republicans underperformed what was expected. And the only Republican to really overperform was Ron DeSantis. Ron De, Ron DePraying Mantis, as July says. That's a good one. Ron De, I don't know. Mm. Man, I don't know. Ron De, uh, I like, I don't know. Can't handle this. I don't know. Dude, I'm tired. I will, ugh, ugh. Someone put him in the chat. Hotel Ron DeSantis, I, <laughs> it's dumb, but I like it. Um, he underperformed, or he overperformed big time. And the people who underperformed the most, actually, on the Republican side are all the people that Trump really supported. Dr. Oz, totally underperformed. Fetterman ended up beating him by like five, I think five or six points. And Fetterman, remember, literally had a stroke. <laughs> Like right before the primaries, he literally had a stroke. They had a debate. And if you watch any part of that, it's hard to watch Fetterman. It's really tough to watch him. He is struggling. He's struggling. But I got, look, I'm always going to give props to someone who like knows that that's not a good look and then just goes through with it anyways. Cause they're like, you know, fuck it. Like I got to do me. I got to, what am I going to do? Not, like not exist for people. No, no, I got to go out there and do what I got to do. So I actually respect that. Um, but he should not like Dr. Oz had everything that could have gone right for him really go right. And he still lost badly. Fetterman outperforming Biden hard in every County in Pennsylvania. And you got to remember that Dems Democrats were trying to keep Fetterman out of the election. They were trying to beat Fetterman in the primaries because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. 
because they don't know. They thought he was too radical. He's not even radical. He's not even like, bro, he's, he is barely, you can't even call him a progressive. But like the fact that he doesn't want to like give everything away to corporations immediately. That's all he had. That's all he was. So it wasn't even anything special. But he he outperformed hard. Beat the shit out of Dr. Oz, who was a Trump endorsed candidate. Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly in Arizona. Blake Masters, who is uh Blake Masters like seems like somebody who would like if he found you in a dark alley, he would molest you. <laughs> like I've no his energy is fucking crazy. Like not good crazy. His energy is like for real, like he could just snap at any time and start killing people. He's like that. He's almost like, I don't know. He reminds me of like, I don't know, he's like a he's like a, a Vietnam, like like one of these soldiers in Vietnam who lost their minds, like one of the American soldiers who lost their minds, but like took like the dark apocalypto kind of LSD and not like the good shit and just started, you know, like killing everyone everywhere. And that was, that was Trump's guy in Arizona lost badly. Um, Carrie Lake, same state. Uh, Arizona has its first democratic governor in something like, I don't know, a long time in Katie Hobbs who didn't even debate Carrie Lake and Kind of sucks. <laughs> no offense to Katie Hobbs, but she's not. There's nothing really like special about her. Meanwhile, Carrie Lake is out here, and she Carrie Lake is crazy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, she's all in on the election denial shit. She's all in on just everything that you would imagine like a Trump candidate would have. Without like not you know, and I'm not even talking about like the Trump policy candidates. I'm talking about the ones who just. They just say shit. They don't give a fuck about truth. They 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 start feeding conspiracy. They don't care. They they're just you know the pieces of shit. That's what Carrie Lake is. But she can talk real nice and she's kind of pretty. So like, good candidate. <laughs> you would think really good candidate. She lost. She lost. And all of these Trump back candidates, I think every one of them lost. And if you are Donald Trump. Look, does he still have his base? I think he'll always have his base. I I don't think that's ever going to go away any way, shape, or form. I just think that's he's – if nothing else, like when he turns it on, he could be funny. <laughs> he's kind of funny. Sorry. I think he's kind of funny. He's a dick, and he's completely incompetent, but, like, he's funny. But with his base, they're dedicated to him, but somehow these endorsements that he's given – uh, I think the only the only Trump endorsed candidate that I can remember who won was J.D. Vance, who sucks. Um, that's all you need to know about him. He sucks. Hillbillyology. More like suck my dickology. I don't know. Guys, <laughs> today's not the best day for puns, okay? I am I need the chat for all those. But um look, he he Trump, if you're Trump, you had a really bad night or bad week with these midterms. Uh, all of your candidates really lost. And these Republicans who have had to fall in line behind Trump, all these establishment Republicans, because if you remember how Trump came up, he was the, the outsider. He forced the Republican Party to make him their nominee by just shitting all over him, all over Chris Christie, all over everyone that he went against. 
he became the nominee because he was just, he was the shittiest. He was the best at being shitty. And all of these, you know, newspapers and the media and establishment politicians who spoke out against him, all of them eventually fell in line. And then Trump was there. So that might not be the case this time because the media has found a new, or the right-wing media has found like a new, I don't know, savior in Ron DeSantis, in Ron De, DeSantis nuts. <laughs> That's dumb. They found a new guy. They got a guy. And do I think that, uh, here's the other crazy thing, is after after this um, these midterms, a lot of these polls are coming out before the midterms. Trump is up. He's up on DeSantis in like every poll. Now, I've seen polls, 20-point difference. Ron DeSantis is up, right? Who cares about polls? Maybe. But that means something. Now, do I think the media is going to be able to coalesce around him and actually make him the candidate? Maybe. Maybe. Do I think Trump is done? I just... There's no way in hell, to me, to believe, that I can believe that Trump is somehow going to go gracefully off into that good night. There's no fucking way. If he is done as a party nominee, say that DeSantis makes it out of the primaries, okay? Just imagine that DeSantis makes it out of the primaries, which is going to be hard. Because Trump's actually great at making you look stupid on stage during a debate. He's just good at it because he's he's an entertainer, you know? It's like going up in a debate against a stand-up comedian. You're just kind of fucked. You're, you're, it doesn't matter what you start saying policy-wise if the other person's really making good TV. And you would think that. I don't know. Maybe that's not always the case. But for his base, the base that Trump plays to, they love it. So say that Ron DeSantis makes it out of primary, somehow beats Trump. I don't, I think Trump will run third party. Honestly, I really think he'd run third party. And then I don't know what it means. Look, I usually don't speak this much about like midterms and establishment politics because look, both parties suck. Who cares? The people are still struggling. I'm right there. I'm right there with that. But I'm a little worried now that both parties suck so much and they're imploding so hard that it might just ironically maintain their two-party structure. <laughs> unless, I don't know, unless there's a viable route for a, a third parties or for, for an alternative. But right now, if you're both like equally just sucking, as bad as possible and you keep like drifting down. I I I kind of feel like that creates a weird new normal to where like people still participate. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know quite what I'm trying to articulate here. But for some reason both parties imploding you would think would give us an opportunity to start pushing to something better. And I hope so. And that's what we should use this moment to mean. The fact that all these young people came out to vote shows that people are at least 
understanding that like, or have a feeling that the stakes are existential because they are, they just don't know where exactly to best direct that energy. If you give them better alternatives, I'm sure they're going to go to them. It's just, yes, you know, they, they want something real. I believe that. But if both parties are imploding right now, unless there's a concentrated effort to use that implosion to spin this into something new, which is what we should be doing, to be frank. Um, because without it, I think we're just going to be stuck in the same toilet. You know, it just keeps spiraling around the bowl. Just spiraling. The water somehow just keeps coming in. And we just spiral around the bowl, never actually getting rid of the poop. It's still there. The poop is still in the bowl, just going around. So, I don't know. That's my <laughs> in-depth political analysis. Uh, I got about 30 minutes. That's all I have for today. If you, uh, I'll take some callers if you guys want to jump on. Discuss anything. We we went through the U- Ukraine. We went through the, uh, and that's really the bigger the bigger issue that's going on here. But the midterms, I don't know. Did Trump actually announce? Let's see if Trump actually announced anything. He did his thing. Still hasn't happened. Where is it? Nothing yet. Boy, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Yeah, I, 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 oh, oh, it's, it's about starting. It's starting. I see some live coverage is getting started. Breaking points has their stream up. I don't know. I, I think I, I don't know. If you're into horse races, it's a fun time to, I don't know, be paying attention to horse races. If you're into something more substantial, and maybe we can talk about that for just just a little bit. Um, I I think we should capitalize on the energy that people are showing that they have to vote, especially young people. I think we need to redirect that energy, though. I here here's what happens. Okay, I, I young people coming out to vote is great. Okay, I'm never going to knock young people coming out to vote because it shows that they are invested in something. They believe that they have to do something even if it's, you know, just voting, but they have to do something to actually save the world from itself, save us from ourselves, right? It's good. It's a good thing to see. However, the the cynicism that can come from that from constantly doing that thing and not getting anything back in return is real. And one thing that Biden already said, knowing how many young people came out to vote and knowing, promising that the the whole point of voting was to protect, you know, you have to come out and vote so that we can codify Roe v. Wade. He's already walked it back. Already he said, oh, can't do it. It's a... Uh, We won't have the House. We won't have the Senate. You you will create those people who came out and went on a limb to give you that victory. You'll make them into cynics again. And they'll stop participating. And maybe that's, that's what I mean by, like, if both parties implode, 
and neither is either de- neither is delivering anything substantial to people, then we'll just get a shittier and shittier version of this of what we already have, with just less people participating, with just more people who are jaded, you know, who are black pilled. Um. So yeah, we got some callers. Let's go ahead and take them. Derek, what's going on? How you doing? Go ahead and unmute yourself and let me, oh, also let me plug in my headphones real quick. Plug in my headphones. Headphones. Hey, go ahead. I can hear you. It it looks like Amanda lost the chance to make 10 bucks. I bet that's, uh, or I wanted to bet that you were going to get rid of the beard, but (laughs) she didn't want to take the bet, so her loss. I will. I will eventually. I, I, it needs to happen. It's getting unruly, man. No, it looks good. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Nice. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's, yeah. it's getting big. It's getting big. Yeah, I'm jealous. I want to be good looking. Maybe I, I got to try harder. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> Fuck, Derek. It's <laughs> nice. Yeah, thanks, dude. Oof. I don't really know. I can't really I, predict this shit. I, I, what she seems to be doing to me, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, but what it looks like she's doing is making a bid to sort of be the face of like a new wave of the Republican Party. I think she's trying to slot herself into that. Um, but like do it by having these weird different kinds of principles, right? She's, she's, if you look at a lot of the positions that the Republicans, okay, that like the Matt Gates Republicans have now, right? And even to some extent, the Kevin McCarthy, um, prior to this attack in Poland, right? You have some Republicans now, and I would, I would throw Rand Paul in here too, but they're taking a more libertarian or or traditionally kind of liberal stance when it comes to things like war uh, and foreign policy and foreign intervention. Uh, they're anti-interventionists. They don't want to get us involved or spend money on wars. These, these are all good things, right? But these are not positions that the Republican Party has had until very, very recently and, and honestly – it's a mystery as to whether or not they actually mean this shit or not, right? Because I have a feeling that if Matt Gates saw some, like, I don't know, I don't know for a fact, but if there was, like, a Muslim war he can get into again or some shit, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, projecting onto him. He just seems like someone who would, like, yeah, he would have done, like, if he had been around for 9-11, he would have been on that train of, like, just invade the Middle East and shit. But... Um, I think Tulsi Gabbard is kind of, she kind of saw that her, her role in the democratic party was diminishing her chances of actually getting, you know, for a while she was spoken of as like the next Obama or something, right? Like the heir apparent. Uh, and she did some good things, you know, when she's endorsing Bernie, I thought that was dope. And she came out before really anyone else did. And did that. She put herself on the limb and she was a young congresswoman at the time. So it was it was that took legitimate sort of that wasn't just like some 
low risk, no risk move. However, uh, towards the end of her time in Congress in particular, you saw herself start positioning herself strangely in certain social culture war issues completely out of the blue unnecessarily inexplicably her anti-trans bill or whatever it was it's uncomfortable yeah exactly like her anti-trans bill that she introduced like the day she left the house uh fucking despicable really despicable and and some coward ass shit that's some dog ass shit tulsi that's some dog ass shit for you to get brave about trans like kids and shit the day that you leave fucking office and then to throw some more fucking coals onto that fire. Like for God's sakes, I, I, I get so fucking mad at this though, dude. Like I cannot fucking understand why we can't just leave people alone. Like why are, I hate how we have to position people, trans people at the center of a culture war to be a little fucking chess piece, a little pawn, a little football that no one actually gives a fuck about, but like all the talk and all the extra shit that people be doing will actually affect them and them only. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. hate Ron DeSantis for that too. But Tulsi should have known better for that shit. When she launched her presidential campaign, she had to put out a video that said, I'm sorry that I was ever homophobic, right? Because she said some foul shit about homophobic people in the past. But maybe this is really just, maybe who she really is is just starting to come out now. And maybe we've been misreading her. Maybe she never really fit into the Democratic Party because maybe she was one right. of those people, I'm anti-war, but I don't think gay people should get married. I don't think trans people well, like, should have rights. It shouldn't necessarily be that shocking, right? I mean, most Democrats are really just Republicans at this point. So, yeah. you know, well, it's and, really and, and shouldn't be like, wow, how could that happen? But the, the thing like, is... almost I mean, identical. You would think, though, I don't know, you would think, especially now, like, it's so fucking wild that someone politically, I'm not just saying like someone in their heart today, but someone politically would be like, yeah, you know what? Gay people shouldn't be able to get married. Like, I know it hasn't been that long. I know Obama, when he came into office, was... Very clear they didn't believe in gay marriage because politically it wasn't a good move, but fuck politics, man. Like thinking about it now. It's done changed. Yeah. It's done changed. And so I don't know. I don't know what her deal is. Maybe this is who she always was. But I do think that she's like, I think a lot of people put a lot of hope in her and, and she's let a lot of those people down. And you know, the more you think about her, I mean, her father was like a governor or something too, right? She's from politics. I think we need to stop electing people, honestly, who are just, they've been in the game too long. Like you're born into politics. Get the fuck out of here, man. If if like, if I ever did politics and my kids get into it, I'm going to be like, I'm going to disown them. Like get out, get out of it. Like don't, this is not supposed to be a, a, a dynasty building position. This is not supposed to be a, like a motherfucking lifestyle, you know, it's a necessary evil that we do. And then we get, we dip like no one should want that for their kids. You know, at least I don't know. Like I I don't want that. 
I don't want that for people generally. I think it's right. terrible. Well, but. I hear you. Uh, tell me if you think I'm crazy. Um, as it stands, I think her play is going to be uh, Rand Paul, Tulsi Gabbard ticket. I think that's very possible. Look, I uh, another play I can honestly see her making is uh, with the forward party. I don't know what her sort of uh, associations are with with uh, Andrew Yang, but I could see, I could potentially see a third party run too. But honestly, the Rand Paul, I, I, would it be Tulsi for president and Rand is like a vice? No, Rand for president, Tulsi Gabbard is vice president. That's my prediction. I just don't see Rand Paul making it. I do not see – Rand Paul is one of those guys, like his dad. Ron was way cooler, I'll say that. That guy, he could probably party. Uh, Rand, I'm not so sure of. But I'll say that, like, Rand Paul is one of those people who will – he's popular in his state. Every once in a while, he says something that is just not complete, total bullshit. Uh, particularly when it comes to foreign intervention. I think he actually believes what he's saying, but I don't, I don't ever, he will never, he's too disconnected from like people from the actual voting base to like feel where they're at and to articulate that. You know what I mean? He's, he's like a, He's kind of like a, you know, well, or maybe Robbie Suave is kind of like a Rand Paul in that sense, right? Of just, he believes what he believes. I appreciate the fact that he, I believe he at least is good faith in what he believes. I don't think it's very well reasoned. I don't think it's just a, like, I think a lot of that free market shit falls apart uh, when you keep prodding it. But I think he believes it. I just don't. The people are not there, and they won't be there. And he doesn't have the ability to connect with where people are at. So, honestly, I can't see Tulsi playing second fiddle to him. I'd see Tulsi being like, if Rand Paul wants to get on my ticket, that's something. But Tulsi's got way more of the traditional political shit. You know, the personality, the the ability to give a speech, all, all that shit that shouldn't fucking matter. That That's ridiculous, but she she has that. But uh, thank you for calling, Derek. Always a pleasure talking to you. Amanda, what up, girl? How you doing? Hey, bud. Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're very quiet, though. How about now? Is that better? Still pretty quiet. I think my the chat's frozen too, so I can't. So I can't. All right. Uh, now I can't get my headphones to go off. They don't like I, me. They don't like me. Should I, I say your, your bedroom quiet? Bedroom quiet. Well, that goes with your bedroom mind, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said something about your better mind, but I couldn't even yeah. hear it. So. That's good. That's good. You're so quiet. <laughs> You're like a little baby. How about hey. now? Oh, there you How go. It's now? much better. Still quiet, okay. but much better. Well, I can put it close. What's to up? Face. What's on your mind? 
Bird would not. I did. I wholeheartedly. Di, I. I don't know if I think that that Derek's going to be right, but I don't agree with you that Tulsi's the kind of person that would be at the top of the ticket. She was raised in a religious grouping and Mm -hmm. I suspect her internalized anti-feminist self really would not put herself at the front of the ticket. See, that's interesting, but she's already run for president independently before, right? I'm just, I'm just saying I can easily see, but I can also see that maybe there wouldn't be anybody that would want to work with her because she seems like she might be kind of unstable. And that's... Remember back in the days where people were pissed because Bill Clinton was waffling when he got new information, he made a different decision kind of thing. So... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But she's, I mean, she's at this point, she's got like a spot on Fox, right? She's, she's part of Did the corporate media machine. Did you see her interview machine. on Russell Brand? No, but I do like Russell Brand, actually. It was, there was a couple of real, real cringe where I could tell that the side gesture like oh my god what did she did you really just say what i think you just said was that yeah yeah also very nice british accent you got there amanda that's uh, spot on the spot on yeah 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 watch it watch it now watch it now (laughs) well one thing i'll say actually i think one of the things that i kind of really dislike about American politicians generally is the incentive structure that is set up and the sort of forces that play that have sort of played a role in our politics have made it to where so many of the candidates and so many of the people who actually rise to that level of power are just like boring, disconnected, dumb fucks. If I'm going to be honest, like none of them are actual. it's, it's rare to find people who are real people there. Right. Like Tulsi Gabbard coming from some kind of political family and being raised like, well, here, I'll even take it away from Tulsi Gabbard, but being raised in that way to where you can have office someday, you can assume office someday, you can be this and having to watch every fucking step that you took, you know, it's like you end up being like a weird kind of robot Christian person or whatever and having all these weird dumbass beliefs that aren't substantiated, you know? It's, I mean, look at Chelsea Clinton, right? Mm -hmm. Holy fuck. We we act surprised when the person leader job comes back looking like a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, for God's sake, and doing the things a a goddamn Dallas Cowboy cheerleader does. Yeah, I I think... And it shapes who you are. And it's unfortunate that it does because, you know, 
I mean, surprisingly, I think in some ways, uh, I think W, W is probably the worst president of my lifetime. But a lot of the time seemed like an all right guy. But why were people, it's so weird because it's like, we're getting all of these politicians who are both so disconnected from people and so um, like made for these positions or polished to where they're already sort of brainwashed by American hegemony and, and sort of the way that shit just is currently, right? They're all, they've already totally bought into like the American narrative as it is. They do not dissent from it in any meaningful way. So they're, they're like already in that box. And then a lot of them too are so disconnected from the experiences of their voter bases that they're, they're also in the box of like this elitist camp that doesn't actually know how to connect with people. And sometimes you get people who kind of like make it through one of those boxes, right? George W. I think sort of could in some ways kind of connect with people, seem like a guy you can get a drink with in the same way that like Barack Obama seemed like a smooth guy who was kind of cool and had these other, uh, you know, qualities to him. But then because everyone's the same, all of these people are the same when it comes to their, you know, their foreign policy, they, their role that they think America should be the watchdog for everyone. All, all, these, all these big policy things, you get voters who are really only voting on like how cool they are. And we can't even produce that many cool ones. That's what's fucking crazy. There are so many cool Americans, dude. Like, you're cool. I'm pretty cool. There's so many cool... Like, we are not at a, like... We do not have a deficit of cool people. And we also don't have a deficit of, like, great thinkers and people who actually eschew the 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 the, the, the cultural and sort of political narratives. But we but don't believe in power. those people... But we don't act like those people are the people that should be in power. Those are not the people that we expect to be. We don't put that expectation on those people. And we could, as a culture, put that kind of expectation. They can ignore it like everybody who has an expectation put on them, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to be a little... Do it. Come on. A little edgy, okay? Bring it. I think, I kind of think Trump is a little bit of an opening for us to actually put people who don't fit the expectations a little bit. I think 100%. it's an opening. I, that One of the reasons I wanted Fetterman to win, honestly, just besides like, our politics, like generally, look, there, I don't want to, if I talk, if I say anything nice about Fetterman's politics, I know that like, but- Someone but from Revolutionary reasons, Blackout so, Network is eventually going to find out right. and come to but my house so, and shoot me so <laughs> or something, so right? Like they they're going to black- shut me you down online to- or whatever. Right. You don't have to take his side, but you were glad that right. he wins because why? The dude, he seems more just like, man, fuck this suit shit on some real shit too. Not on some like, I think this is a nice calculated move that if I wear a hoodie, then people will mm. be more with me. I think... When I saw this motherfucker wearing like a hoodie and shorts, I'm sorry, but that's not like a political insight. No one like coaches you 
and says, hey, man, the people will really connect with you if you wear a hoodie and shorts. <laughs> You're saying you know there's I mean? no stylist there? <laughs> a hoodie and shorts in the winter, Amanda. I'm like, part of it's just like, he's just like, I'm. It's coach. have to but like for the most part fuck this shit man like i i think we look that is america's strength too honestly honestly when you think about it what makes like america like this is this is what a lot of people don't understand about like the country right because i'm from the country parts of illinois but there is a there's an integrity to sort of like people who don't know any better and they're just like, fuck it. I'll wear clogs to Walmart and, you know, like sweatpants. There's, there's something that's like, that's you. It feels uniquely American in some ways. And I don't know if this is, you know, I'd like to hear other people's thoughts on it, but like, you know, you go to Europe, for example, you go to Europe, you know, you go to France or some shit. There's like 15, like everyone there is like, for the most part, well-dressed, uh, real good looking, and and like very they're they're put together, you know, they they got like a thing to them. If you go to certain parts, you go to Nigeria, it's the same way. Like, if people have any any way to dress or means to dress, they look good. They're they're put together. It's almost like everything's tailored, right? America, just a bunch of fucking skanks, baby. We're just skanking it up, and I kind of. I kind of love that. I think there's an element of sort of like comfort that kind of comes from that. I really like just being up. I like going out and looking like shit sometimes. <laughs> it's very fun. It's very, it just feels, you know, I'm just wearing my flip flops. I'm wearing my shit. I don't give a fuck. I'm wearing my fucking undershirt. Fuck it. You know, I like that. And I think that there's something, there's almost like a, I think there's like a level of sort of comfort that you can find whenever you're not constantly like uh, when, when you divorce yourself from, from the, uh, the necessity to always appear to people as some kind of way, you know, and I'm not saying anything against people who actually got style. Cause again, when you see like French men over there, like doing their thing or whatever, you're like, fuck, they look good. There's, there's, there's integrity to style too. But I do think that, especially in today's era, when you're constantly on camera, eh, hey, eh, but when you're constantly on camera, you're constantly on social media, you're always depicting yourself, you're always speaking in like 140 characters or whatever the fuck it is. And it, it's, everything is advertising. It becomes like your whole position of being a person is about how you present to other people. And at what point does that presentation to other people just completely eclipse who the fuck you would be without them, who the fuck you actually are, what's actually in your bones? And there's some level of, to me, like integrity to the fact that like you are just, you're comfortable and you don't need to present, but you're comfortable because I think there's a real human urge for a lot of people who just they want things to be okay and they want to be comfortable, you know? And like, I think 
in living in the comfort sometimes and just rejecting the fact that you always got to be presenting to people, uh, which I understand how ironic that is by doing a fucking video (laughs) podcast right now, 100%. But like, there's something to that. There really is something. There's almost something like deep to it, to me, at least, you know? And so there is, can I, I can I just push back a tiny, tiny bit? Some people are extremely comfortable wearing heels and a dress that looks uncomfortable to other people. A hundred percent. So when when I I go out slobbing around, I'm wearing something that I consider to be kind of sweats, but other people would think I was dressed up. So yeah, I just want to push 100%. back that comfort isn't always Ugg boots and sweats for some people. Uh, a billion, I, I 100% agree. But cool. I also agree that like, well, you know, I'll take, I think a great example of that to me is RuPaul. I think, I think RuPaul is like, RuPaul's got crazy good dress sense. But I think that's for also... Sure a comfort zone. I think that is, I think that is something that like, I'm not saying that even if like the, the idea behind like the fashion is to present to other people and to like project something, I'm not saying that necessarily makes it inauthentic or like dumb or not worth pursuing, but whatever it is that drives RuPaul to do that could be the same thing that kind of draw, drive someone to where, hoodie and shorts in the winter, right? It's the same energy manifested and you see the way it manifests in completely different ways in people. And that I think is really one of the strengths that America can have, right? Is that like culturally to the extent that, you know, our culture even really fucking matters, right? Culturally, I think there's- It matters, come on. No, I think it, look, we've made a lot of good music. We've made a lot of, Pretty, pretty good art. I, I, you know, and who cares? Like, lots of countries have done that. Lots of countries do that. And I want everyone to be able to do that. You know, I'm not like saying like America rocks more than fucking anyone else. But I do think that is like, there's a power to that. And, you know, when people say there's a power to diversity, I think the fact that we have a little more permission or that we should have a little more permission to feel that sort of thing inside of us that makes us do the things that, you know, the part of, I guess, I don't know if you call it individuality. Cause I don't, it's not really because, because we, I don't like thinking of things in individualistic terms because it starts to make it seem like it's like an us thing, like embrace your own power. No, that's the commonality between all of us is that we, we dream we feel, we, we can just be and exist. And I know that sounds super hippy dippy, but when you think about it, why shouldn't RuPaul be able to connect with John Fetterman over like just feeling comfortable? You know what I mean? Like, I think the comfort, the feeling of like, yeah, it feels good. I feel good at where I'm, what I'm doing right now. And you feel good. Doesn't that feel good? Isn't that nice? how we can both like find our shit and feel good. Isn't that a nice connection point? I think that's kind of dope. Right. And 
it's not something that I, I think I think in some ways that kind of feeling it's not necessarily just a feeling but that 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 idea is antithetical to the power structure that we have currently because people who fund campaigns these the companies want people who are going to you know they can insert the quarter and the quarter plays the game as it's supposed to be played or the 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 machine the politician machine plays the game as it's supposed to be played right they want that predictability they want the presentability they they want all of that shit it's the same way why like you know there's been a lot of talks about Elon Musk taking over Twitter and he fucking sucks <laughs> like and he's I think he's doing more damage to people's perceptions of billionaires than maybe anyone ever and just showing how fucking like how they're just like everyone else. They can be completely dumb and incompetent and not know what the fuck they're doing. They just have a lot of money and he had the ability to just buy Twitter and now he's firing people for making fun of him like a like a little fucking bitch, just to be honest, like a little baby back bitch, honestly, Elon. Um, But I, I think... I think what's funny is there there's been a lot of talk about you saw Elon before he took over Twitter talking about content moderation. And the idea was oh Twitter is censoring people. Twitter is promoting certain voices over other voices. They won't, you know, they're censoring right-wing voices, they're not uh letting right-wing voices through or they're selective. They're, they have a political bias. And so Elon goes, I'm going to take over Twitter because I can fix it. I alone can fix it on some Trump shit, right? Takes over Twitter. And what is he doing? Same type of censoring. Talking about promoting people who pay for tweets over those who don't pay for tweets. Content moderation based on who's got money. Who's got that sweet money? Sorry for all y'all who be down in... Uh, I see. Uh, I saw Jonathan was in here earlier, but sorry, Jonathan, for your time that you spend down there in Bree's comment section, you know, defending shit or whatever. You're gonna get you're gonna get dumped. You're out, boop, because you don't pay enough money, and you have Elon suddenly realizing that a lot of the moderation for Twitter, a lot of the decisions were being made to maximize their profit. And I see the same thing, right? Like you see him doing the same shit that he complained about. Censorship, content moderation, the fact-checking blurbs underneath tweets. Why? Because money. Because you put the quarter in the machine. You put the quarter in the machine and the people who have the quarters want the game to play as it's supposed to be played. They want Twitter to work just like they wanted to when they put in the quarter. The same with our politicians. It's the same shit. The only reason people say, why don't we have you know, politicians that inspire us? Because they don't make money. They got no motherfucking money. They want you. That's, that's how it happens, right? And, and I'm not saying anything profound here. Chomsky's talked about it um, for a long time with the idea of manufacturing consent with our news media, 
why do we why does a free and independent news media start to all coalesce on the same fucking dog shit ass opinions like Iraq has weapons of mass destruction blah 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 all this shit that's like proven false later because it made money going in because it served the power structure as it was so the reason you know we have all these boring uninspiring bullshit ass fake ass goof ass dunk ass foul motherfuckers who are in the highest positions of power in America is because if I have corporate interest, if I have money, I want to put my fucking quarter in the machine and out pops the game I want it to be, you know, the game as I want it to be played. I'm not putting my quarters in a machine that don't work for me. I'm not putting my quarters in a machine that starts, you know, giving people healthcare and shit. What the fuck? Why would I, what? So I think, you know, that's a long way of saying, uh, it's why our politics kind of suck. It's why it's bad. And, and look, there are ways to circumvent it. There are ways to get around. I mean, Amanda, I know that's a lot of your work on here is to do everything you can to offer alternatives, uh, to educate people about it. And y'all should... Definitely pay attention to Amanda's show, uh, Crowdsourcing the Revolution. Is it crowd crowdsourcing? It's crowdsourcing the revolution. Um, and she talks about a lot on there, too. But it looks like, Amanda, I don't know if you fell out or if you uh, just left. But, okay, I'll, I'll bring you back up real quick. And then, Jay, I, I promise I'll get to you next. Uh, let me, hold on. Doing this on, ooh, how do I, okay. There we go. Okay, Amanda, go ahead. Sorry, I do that kind of leaving a party, too, where I don't say goodbye to people. I just kind oh. of slink away. I My see. Dad. <laughs> yeah, no I worries. Just, it's great talking with you. I appreciate but I appreciate you so much. And I just saw there was somebody else in the queue, and I wanted to be respectful of the person okay, behind well, me. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm sorry yeah. to call you back up and to make you say goodbye to everybody, but hey, I don't mind at all because you know me. I love talking to you, by Thank you yeah, for having a show that. here on Colin. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for talking with me, uh, Jay. Let's go ahead and uh, bring you up. You can go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. What's going on? Hello. Yeah. Hi. I can hear you. Yeah, my question to you is, uh, so where where would you identify yourself politically then? It's tough, honestly. I, I like to use independent, um, but that also has connotations with it nowadays, right? Nowadays, when you say you're an independent, people say you're like a libertarian or something like that. Probably if I were to, if I were to like nail it down, I'm, I'm, I'm politically, I'm probably like a socialist, like I still, I don't know if I'm quite communist, but only because I I don't really know if there will ever be a disillusion of the state, if that makes sense. I think that states to some extent have a lot of use and they can actually offer people a lot of utility and they're kind of like a necessary evil. But I do believe that, um, 
generally speaking, I don't, I don't believe capitalism is the end all be all. I think it's doing nowadays a lot more harm than good. I think that there's still probably a place for markets. I think that there are some, there are some sort of things that markets can help, uh, like identify like needs and like new products and innovations. Sometimes that actually like having a market structure can actually help to incentivize that. Um, but I do think that the way like markets, the, the, the general tendency of capitalism is to put profit over everything else, which eventually uh, creates needless waste, uh, continues to squeeze workers for, uh, higher, higher in rates of profit. Um, and the externalities are impossible to really account for in a capitalist system. And the short-term sort of thinking that it, uh, you know, the short-term sort of maximization of quarterly profits over time leads us to being uh, a weaker, dumber, uh, poorer, uh, more uh, unequal nation and will really end up being the death of us. Um, so, you know, what does that mean? For the most part, I think giving people more actual say, like expanding democracy to more parts of their lives. So to workplaces, to uh, the way that they are able to live in their communities, you know, obviously the, the social Anything that has to do with two consenting adults kind of like wanting to do stuff with each other, I don't think we have any fucking part in that. That's for them. Uh, so, yeah, I guess politically, probably closest to like a, a socialist is what it ends up being. So you just, at the base root, you just believe that everybody should, every citizen should be provided you know, the basic essentials of survival, you know, housing, food, yeah, yeah, water. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think, I think generally, I guess that's the other, that's a great point. The other big part that I believe is that, you know, what, what do you want the forces of production to do? I think that if you have the forces of production, which have the ability to provide everyone with food and housing and healthcare, and people could still actually like, even with doing all of that, people could still profit from excesses. I think that at a certain point you have an obligation to do that. I think it's, it's, it's really strange. And I, I just, I, I think it's weird that we could actually eliminate a lot of scarcity that is unnecessary. Uh, and we choose not to do that. And that's where I disagree with a lot of market thought. Um, the, the biggest problem to me it, from like a market standpoint is that, you know, uh, and, and Ingalls talks about this, but back in the day before you had mass production, uh, the price of items and the, the sort of, uh, the way that markets worked is that you had people who were tradesmen or whatever, who would make a single commodity, make a single product, bring it to the market. And no matter what really they did, uh, there, there was always, and a natural scarcity involved, right? People always wanted like a, 
you can only make so many hammers in your lifetime without machines. And sometimes you just couldn't make enough hammers. So that scarcity would help drive a price and people would bring it to market, have that price. And then, okay, good. We can, we can now make that exchange. Uh, once we got into mass production, we didn't have that same scarcity problem, but we continued to treat markets in the same way to function the same way. And to the extent that we had scarcity, a lot of that was still being, um, a lot of that was artificial, right? Oh, we can't sell too many diamonds because the price is going to go down. So we have to, we all have to collude to not sell too many diamonds. Uh, we can't sell too much food or we have to at least make sure that the food that we throw out, people can't eat. So we're going to make it a crime for people to eat food out of a dumpster and call that theft, even though it's still a, you know, it's, it's literally trash at that point. I think those kinds of incentives are completely fucked and have no place in a, in a modern world where those do not need to be problems. So that's basically, uh, so when it comes to stuff like housing, yeah, I think everyone should be, have some kind of guaranteed housing. Yeah. I think everyone should have healthcare. Yeah. I think everyone should, I don't think anyone should go hungry. Uh, as long as we have the capacity to make that happen. And we do. So do you think that there's been any successful communist or socialist state that has ever yeah. existed in human Surprisingly. civilization? Surprisingly. Which Surprisingly, one would yeah. yeah. Honestly, Cuba's not doing too bad. And it's pretty crazy because they should be completely fucked because it has been America's project since the existence of Cuba to make sure Cuba does not succeed. And yet. Can I say one thing though? They're doing pretty good. And aside from them actually too, uh, you could say a lot of the Norwegian, a lot of the countries, you know, Norway, Sweden, Finland, there, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. And a lot of the reasons they're able to actually provide a lot of those services to people is because there are certain industries that they've just nationalized, right? Norway with um, their oil reserves is able to pay for higher education. They got better education than we do. They have better healthcare. They have less crime of all kinds, right? They have less recidivism rates for the crime. So their people who do commit crimes tend not to commit it and they don't have homelessness. So these are not things that actually have to be problems here, right? Uh, and I think, I think when we look at stuff like Cuba in particular, or Argentina back in the day, or, or every time you see a lot of these socialist countries that don't work out, especially in the Red Scare era, you see that U.S. involvement, particularly from the CIA, sometimes from the FBI, but they're particularly in those countries to make sure it doesn't work out. And you have to ask yourself, well, if socialism didn't work, and if communism didn't work, then why does the United States have to go out of its way to invade these countries, to interfere with these countries and to sanction these countries to make sure it doesn't work? Wouldn't these countries just fail on their own without the need for the United States to come in and sanction, without the need for the United States to come in and plan an invasion like the Bay of Pigs in Cuba? And I think 
those are the questions. Like, look, if socialism sucks, why do we still have sanctions on Cuba? I think this is a 32nd consecutive year that the UN has passed some kind of resolution to say that the United States should stop sanctioning Cuba and their sanctions on Cuba are uh, not immoral, but non-humanitarian, right? It's inhumane. Yet we keep doing it. For what? Meanwhile, uh, they got better medicine, a better medicine system down there. They got, uh, I don't know, they had some, like, they developed their own vaccines and shit. It's, it's a country that should not have succeeded, and yet they're still, like, they're hanging on. But anyways, I've been talking. You, you had another question. Well, no, this is completely anecdotal. So, you know, this is anecdotal evidence. Like, this is completely anecdotal. You know, I've yeah. never been... I've never been to Cuba myself. Uh, recently, probably about a month ago, I was taking an Uber back from the airport to my to my apartment. Yeah. And the Uber driver was Cuban. Yeah. And we, I was talking. I said, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. He said, and he literally said to me, you know, you know like pretty much verbatim, like, like communism is bad. Never go to Cuba. He's like, when I worked there, I worked 50 hours a week. I made $100 US per month. And he's like, yeah. I had to escape. I And I coming here, you know, he's like, he drives Uber. He can make like, you know, he, he hustles. He does eight hours a day, you know, makes over, you know, 5,000 a month, sends money to, you know, back home to, to feed his family. And he said, never go there. You know, communism is bad. And of course, that's completely anecdotal. But why yeah. do you think he would say that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. But let's break down those numbers, first of all, with Uber, right? Um 5,000, he sends 5,000 a month while driving eight hours a day. I call bullshit. That's no, not I, said he, I said he right. says he makes 5,000 a month. Makes 5,000 a month, maybe closer, but if you're working eight hours a day, here's the crazy thing. Eight hours a day, five days, that's already 40. He so works you're seven, already at 40. You said how much he works? Seven days. Seven days. So eight yeah. hours a day for seven days. Yeah. So he's working 56 hours. Yeah, that's what so he he's said. working. He's working more here than he did in Cuba, right? Uh, I can't do a price to price comparison on this anecdote, uh, but I would imagine. Look, what I imagine that the living standard for the average citizen is probably lower in Cuba, probably. But and again, I don't know this. This is just me talking on my ass. But you have to ask yourself: Would it be that way without some of the sanctions? Would it yeah. be that way if they were allowed to actually freely trade with others in the nation? They have a lot of resources down in Cuba, right? Everyone knows about Cuban cigars and all this shit. This is all money that could be going back into their economy that they're being denied. So do they not make as much money as people in America? Yeah, perhaps. But the the question I want to know is how many Cubans are homeless in Cuba? Yes, that's another good question, Derek. Like, does this Uber driver who's sending this money have health care? The answer is probably not, right? He's he's an independent contractor. He There's no, if he, you know, if he gets one bad, uh, it gets unlucky for one second, has one crash, and has to have surgery. Suddenly, he's $240,000 in debt. I was working on a case 
today, actually, where one of the, uh, I won't, I won't say too much, but someone had a medical record and they're saying that, you know, uh, I'll I'll put it this way. I've worked on cases. I've seen medical bills generally. Mm-hmm. I, there's surgeries that last less than an hour. And at the end of the day, the bill, $150,000, $200,000. Yeah, I mean, for, an, out, for an, out, an outpatient, an outpatient surgery, right? Um, I think that's a little fucked up, especially now that we have examples of other countries, which are also capitalists, which just chose not to do that shit. You know, like when you have the National Health Services in uh, Britain, fucking Britain, who's like, they've done plenty of the colonialist shit. They've done... Yeah, they've done all the hegemony shit. They they've been there, done that. They don't have the health care bills, and people can just go to the doctor. I I just find it odd. I, I I do think look because you know my dad's from Nigeria, and I've been back there a couple times, and it's clear that there's a lot of it's a different country. It's an entirely different country. There's a lot of great stuff over there, but. You know, he's very appreciative that he lives in America. And I get that. And I don't think this Cuban driver either is like lying to you that he likes being here. But it's not really about like, I'm not even talking on like a personal preference standpoint, because in an ideal world, people would be able to live where they want to live too. But my thing is like, if you, if you are living in a country especially the richest country in the world, what should you expect? Like, what do you deserve? What, what should be provided to you as having to live in that country? Right. And I, I just did some research. And so I want to say you're completely right that Cuba enjoys a, a near zero rate of homelessness due to housing subsidies from the government. And I think that is really big. You know, I don't think any with sanctions. Homeless. Yeah. With sanctions. I mean, look here in this country, People who literally fight, fight for this country, like who are sent to foreign wars, who are shot, right? Who have all the PTSD, all the psychological trauma of warfare and whatever the fuck for wars that we don't even need to be in. They come back here and they're homeless. What the fuck is that? Like, how is that? How does that even begin to be acceptable? Right, you can't get housing with that six hundred fifty billion a year, like <laughs> that's with that military budget. You know what I'm saying? Here's a crazy thing, Jay. Like one one crazy statistic, and you could check me on this, but there's something along like, you know, we just got out of Afghanistan after twenty plus years, and Iraq after way too fucking long, but Afghanistan we just got out of. Uh, something like we spent like some I don't know maybe. A, was it a trillion dollars? It can't be. That's too much. Whatever we spent, a whole fuck ton of money. I mean, when you print the money, nothing's too much, right? <laughs> oh, my God. But it was it was too goddamn much still, even after printing the money. But it was like, 
I want to say like a trillion. Someone can check me on that. But here's a crazy thing, dude. The money that we spent, all that money on Iraq and Afghanistan, giving them all that freedom, right? 90 to 97% of that money. I know it's in the 90s. 90% of the money that was spent, guess where it went? Private weapons country uh, weapons manufacturers and military contractors we were just paying halliburton we were just paying fucking boeing we were just paying these these profiteering companies so 90 percent of the money we spent okay i have friends who come home from that shit and they're never the same i had a fucking dude who's in the marines and fucking killed himself and I had to go to his goddamn funeral when he got back some from fucking whatever the fuck war. It's criminal. It's criminal. Okay, it's criminal. And his family hasn't recovered from and that. They don't he even never try will. To hide it. They don't even try to hide it. I mean, look at Dick Cheney as vice president. Dick Cheney's literally the owner of He's a military owner. corporation. He's the owner of this shit. It's blatant. And then these motherfuckers want to talk to us about like entitlements. Suck my fucking dick with your entitlement shit. The but, fuck but George Bush was patriotic. No, <laughs> Literally a war criminal. You know? And, and the fact that, like... Man, now, he's, but now apparently he's buddies with Obama. They're doing, like, a speech together. But, well, you know, he's a war criminal, too. Yeah. And, again, that's what fucks me up. Like, because it feels weird, too. Like... Because low-key, I used to be real patriotic on some weird shit. Like, I just I, – I still do have a lot of appreciation for America because, like, you know, you hear all the shit. Like, I don't know if my story is possible anywhere else. And low-key, you know, my dad's from Nigeria. My mom is some white suburban lady. And, you know, they make whoopee, and suddenly I'm around. And, like, seeing myself come from, like – Look, there's been some upward mobility. There's been some of these things, but like, there, you know. And then you grow up here, and you you meet people, and you talk to people, and you got. I love I love people here. I I've had, to some extent, in a lot of ways, I've been I've been really lucky, and I've been really blessed with a lot of shit. You know, like, not all not not money all the time. At least not growing up, and it's like, whatever. You know, like I still care for this place, but I, I don't, and, and, and from doing that, I don't want to like speak. There's part of me still that feels weird, like speaking bad about a U.S. president because I'm like, well, they're they're trying their best. No, but like if if the system is constantly creating the same warmongering, the same sort of private profiteering and the same sort of like, let me get out of office and then I'll write my book. Like Obama to me, in some ways, this is going to be a hot take. And some of y'all may agree, but Obama to me, look, the damage that was done, Bush knocks it out of the park, right? But Obama to me, I'm almost more angry at. (laughs) I'm almost, because this motherfucker comes out of office 
And he's hanging out with the Virgin Mobile guy, Richard Branson, on a yacht. He got the Nobel Peace Prize. He got the Nobel Peace Prize and then went and talked about fucking war and how sometimes you got to kill, like, bad guys just got to go. And then this motherfucker comes out and he has a $100,000 or $100 million Netflix deal after bailing out banks, after doing all this shit. Man, to me, I'm like, bruh, bruh. I'm like, in in my, I hate. Look, I fucking cried when that dude got elected. Like a little baby. I fucking cried. Because it was just, it meant something. I never thought I'd see like a, you know, before all this identity politics shit got out of fucking control. Like Democrats weaponize identity to protect themselves from criticism. I mean, that shit. The like, the Karenification of identity politics. But before. emotional when I saw someone who's like fuck I never thought I'd see a black person be fucking president of the United States and he was saying all the right things when he got elected but in retrospect man this motherfucker really fucked up the game I I, I think Trump is the in some way it's so fucked up because Trump is obviously to me he's obviously one of the worst Absolutely the worst qualified person to ever hold office, in my opinion. This guy fucking sucks. But in some ways, I think he's a better reflection of the of the true American spirit in some way above even like Obama, above Bush, above any of this. I think he represents at least to some extent, and I'm not endorsing Trump, so all of you calm down. I just – I would not do that. But I do think that there was something real in the vote for Trump. I really think there was a real deep sort of guttural like, ooh, like, I feel like there was like a cry of the American spirit, whatever it is, in kind of voting for Trump because they realized all of these motherfuckers all this time have consistently been fucking us the same way over and over again. And now, you know, voting for a guy who is a... You know, uh, literally a con artist is not exactly the best rebellion to that. But the fact that he was not them. A fact that enough people would vote for us, you know, quote unquote other, even though he wasn't, you know. Yeah. Well, he, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, that's one thing that I think a lot of people might not know. And when I found this, I was, I was like, I was like, what? And this is like. You know, I don't know. I don't affiliate with either political party because I think they're both corrupt. But you're smart. You're smart for that. They are. You're correct. The, Dem- the Democratic Party, it, a lot of people yeah. don't know this, is actually factually more corrupt. And the reason why is because they have super delegates, and the Republican Party doesn't. And so it's like a lot of people don't know the way it works. Is like, so when the, when the primaries are going on and people are voting for who they want to be the candidate. There's delegates, which is based on purely how many people vote for that candidate, right? And Republicans only have delegates. And that's the reason Trump was able to win, because even though the RNC didn't want to put Trump as their candidate, enough people voted for Trump that they were forced to because Trump had enough delegates. Yeah, that's But on the other side yeah. of the coin, the, the DNC pretty much delegates, it's all a show pretty much, because... 
There's mm-hmm. more super delegates than there are delegates. And who controls what the super, how the super delegates vote? The super delegates are powerful people within the DNC that are appointed by the head of the DNC and told by the head of the DNC who to vote for. So a lot yeah. of people don't know both times when it was, you know, Bernie versus Hillary and Bernie versus Biden, Bernie actually got more votes from people, got more delegates than Hillary or Biden. But the DNC was like, no, we can't have somebody radical. And they gave all the, they gave, pretty much gave the nomination to Hillary and Biden both times. So the vote, who you vote for, for the yeah. Democratic Party doesn't really matter. And just to show you how corrupt it was, one of the super delegates representing New York when Hillary was running against Bernie was Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, man, the gang's rigged. I mean, I, 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 when you explain it like that, I, I agree. You know, I so that's agree. why so many, so many others are going to the Republican Party because they're like, but that's I have a problem. A if Trump that's has a, a shot, problem, I got a right? Shot. Dr. Because, what? because, because the Republican Party is dog shit, and they don't give a fuck about people openly. the The candidates for the Republican Party this time around were openly campaigning. This Blake Masters openly campaigning on stopping Social Security. Are you out of your fucking minds? They're they're losing it. They're losing it. Like that. So, like, I think the problem with a duopoly-ass system, and I'll end on this because I got to go back to doing my my fucking actual work, and I just looked at the time, and now I'm thinking, oh, shit. But the problem with a that kind of, like, di- dichotomous system. And because they only have one other option. And they know the party that they're voting for is bad. They ass- suck ass. Both of your options are bad because both of your options at the end of the day serve the same master. They serve the same masters. That system. That's the fucking problem. The pro- and, and the solution is not to fucking hop from one party to another because the master continues to be served. And the master is a problem. They have no interest in your shit. They have no interest in your, in your well-being and in, in, in your health care and any of that shit. They want this shit to be happening. They want that ping pong ball to go boop, 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 boop. That's how they win. You're still playing the game. Get the fuck off the table. That's what you need to do. We get the fuck off the table. Fuck these motherfuckers. So do you vote? Sometimes, but only really. Look, I I really only vote if I think it will give me a strategic advantage in another something else I want to push. Right? I think voting, I think some people put too much into voting. They put too much of everything into voting. Um, um, and and there is a really good case to be made. Uh, Brianna Joy Gray has made it and others, but for not voting, for withholding votes, there are good cases to be made. My thing is, though, that like, I take more of a Chomsky approach to voting. 
and and there's a real that too because look if you continue to vote for the lesser of two evils and the overtone overton window keeps shifting one way or another like shifting well it usually shifts one way continually like do you end up doing more harm than good in the long run by creating you know these democrats who are like i'm tough on crime and i'm only abortion in the first term or whatever the fuck like you get these weird political like the the conversation continues to shift steadily what is acceptable politics and what is radical politics is is uh you know the acceptable window of politics is so already fringe and radical that you've now sort of accumulated or assimilated people in society to get used to that like the fact that we even have a conversation in this country about like affordable health care is an overtone window shift that's fucking stupid like affordable like affordable shouldn't be anywhere near healthcare. anything with money at all should be nowhere near any yeah, why are you, why are you monet- why are they monetizing Ex- whether we live or would live or die exactly exactly it's an inelastic product they don't give a shit that's right that's exactly what it is jay why are you monetizing if you live or die it's bullshit but but the window shifted and some people would say well because you voted for democrats 